It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to oh, That's I Praise, a Nicolas Cage podcast. I am your co-host, VH Zest. And I am your other co-host, Captain Nostalgia. All right, yeah. So this week we watched uh, we watched a movie Josh here has been dreading for a little bit. Um, it's a 20, what was it, 2014, I believe? 2014. Yeah, 2014 um, kind of medieval flick called Outcast starring Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I feel like this <laughs> barely qualifies as a Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, like, come on. This is like Grand Isle when we first started this, like, we're going to do a Nicolas Cage podcast uh, back when I was, like, still trying to find the voice of that one. It was Grand Isle, and it was, like, also starring Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer was barely in it. Mm. So yeah. that's what it kind of felt like this one was for Nicolas Cage. But before we get into this film, we have an announcement. We do. Uh, so if you guys heard the episode of Akira for Victims and Villains, you guys know that we are launching a brand new podcast in November called Animind, an anime podcast, and Matthew Basil, who was the third co-host of this podcast, is leaving to go pursue that, um, and full-time, and so moving forward from this episode on, That's High Praise will be exclusively Micah and myself. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm excited. Yeah, I I loved podcasting with Matt, and I still do. But there's just something about podcasting and like the way that we do it, where we watch the movie and then you get to literally be eye to eye with the person that you're yeah. podcasting with. Yeah, yeah, dude, so satisfying. Yeah, and then Matt also has got uh, um, an audio drama that he wrote, and I assume will be directing. Um, do you yes. have a part in that? I don't. I do, and I'm very excited I'm going excited to be producing it. it oh, okay. So Cool. And that will be live on Twitch the first Saturday in November this yeah, year. The, is it not the 5th, actually? Uh, I don't remember the exact day. Oh, then it's not, because if it was the 5th, you'd remember. Sure. Mm. Never. Yeah. 
<laughs> so outcast yeah outcast uh, i don't honestly know how long this episode is going to be i i'm glad you said that <laughs> i really am because this movie is um much better than we thought it would be but there's just not a, a lot of substance to it yeah so general thoughts coming out of outcast is it is a Hayden Christensen movie through and through for this first hour. And then you get into this weird (laughs) Nicolas Cage scene. And then the movie completely changes for the better. Yes, that's true. And spoilers. This is your official spoiler warning. Nicolas Cage dies. Yeah. The movie gets, the movie sucks again. Okay. (laughs) The movie doesn't last that much longer after he dies. And it's a good death. Like it's, Okay, anyway. so satisfying. Yeah, it really is. But uh, so let's get into this, man. I I don't know where you want to start with this. I got a couple of trivia facts. Yeah, of course. That made me feel a little bit. All right, so I'm I'm just gonna say this. I have tried on several occasions. I just do not enjoy the performances Hayden Christensen gives. Yeah, I, that's the first thing I have to say too. Is um. Well, if I can be honest, I've never seen him outside of Star Wars. Um, so this was actually like my first go at non-Anakin Hayden Christensen. Um, and I've got to say, it was underwhelming. Um, it, Like I said, the movie is much better than we expected it to be, given that it, it starred him. Um, but yeah, his performance is, I, I'm going to say shaky. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to preface this with, with two things. First off, I am not a fantasy guy out of out of every film this genre is medieval this is not fantasy that exists there was no magic hold on okay <laughs> out of every genre that exists these kind of movies like the medieval and or fantasy sure whatever you want to classify it like yeah. these types of movies that take place in like pre-16th century i'm just not a <laughs> okay uh because i can't say 16th 16th century has witchcraft so Oh, I guess that's fair. Witchcraft kind of it allures me a little bit more. Yeah, it's more interesting. And uh, but yeah, so it's it re- this really sucks because like so that's not why I, that was more the reason why I was dreading it than anything else. Okay, but I've seen Hayden Christensen do a couple different roles over the years. I know Jumper was that one big one that I think people Jumper know him was one from. that that I've seen him in, and he was all right in Jumper. I think Jumper is the best he's ever been. Okay, cool. Uh, and I obviously revisited Star Wars prequels mm-hmm. uh, back when Episode Nine came out. We did an episode on it for Victims and Villains, and I've also seen a couple. Uh, he's played two journalists. In, Interesting. In biopics of all things. Okay. One of them is actually a man that like comes to know the Lord. Wow. And uh, they're both terribly acted. That sucks. How are they written? Uh, terribly. Oh, okay. So it could so, be. So both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm convinced that Hayden Christensen could not act his way out of a paper bag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, he's like the male Brie Larson. Got it. Sure. Let's be honest. Sure. <laughs> There's been a couple of Brie Larson movies I've enjoyed, so okay. I can't Fair say enough. that you know I didn't like her. <laughs> Unicorn Store is amazing. <laughs> but uh, no, so like I think for here, I. I I'm going to say that he's he's terrible in this role. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say that I have respect for him after I've learned these two facts. Okay. 
So we're going trivia this early on. There's three trivia facts. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> on on IMBD, and two of them are about Hayden, and one of them is about how China received this movie. Okay. Uh, Go they, on. They did not like the betrayal of the Asian characters in this movie. Just any of them? No. Well, I mean, they all had English accents, so there is that. Uh, well, they didn't like the way that specifically the film portrayed the white savior character. Ah. So that's fair. There's that. That's fair. Uh, which I'm curious. I I've seen this coming into. Uh, this is we're recording this the week of his release for Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is the brand new Nicolas Cage movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen it, and it kind of has a lot some of those similar characteristics. Interesting. But it's actually directed by uh, uh, Sion Somo. I think I'm saying that name right. Um, who's actually making his English language debut in uh directing cool um so he's been doing japanese movies since the 80s wow um so this is kind of his first foray but we'll have an episode for you guys yeah in in like a week or so really excited about it um it's a fun time that's all i'll say uh you guys can read my review my spoiler free review on victims and villains dot net for slash reviews however here we go hayden christensen sprained his ankle not once, but twice Gosh. during production. That's insane. And he kept going. That's in, that's insane. A lot of people say, like, I've never sprained my ankle. But a lot of people say that spraining it can be worse than breaking. And I don't know why that is, but I've heard that. Well, I mean, if it's broken, like, it's just broken. But, like, if it's spraining, like, you're st- you still have the, like, ability to, like, like reopen that wound, essentially. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess that's fair. And <laughs> there's this one that I'm like... I don't know if this is considered like method acting or like drunkenness disguised as method acting. <laughs> but this is this is the IMBD legitimate fact is Christensen pa- practiced his Scottish characters constant fainting by going on a week long uh pub crawl in Glasgow. So he just got blackout drunk for a week straight. Is that's not what it says necessarily? It is. All right, fine. I've, I figured it could just be culture immersion, but I guess he probably just did get drunk every day. Uh, you want to start with the accents? And, you know, since we're getting into this. Okay, movie. so that is the big <laughs> thing. Okay, so, like, Josh can tear Christensen's performance apart all he wants to. My only real big gripe um, is his accent because I didn't know till just now that it was supposed to be Scottish. So there's problem one. Problem two is that he never maintains any one good sense of dialect. Yeah, like like dialect or vernacular the entire movie. There's times when I'm like, the, uh, I, I was convinced the majority of the movie that he was supposed to be an Englishman. I mean, there's a very much a crusade sort of setting, uh, and that's just what I expected. Um, but then there's like a lot of times in the movie where I was like, that sounds like Scottish, and then there are other times. Rarer, but other times where I was like, that just sounds like straight up Irish. So that was probably my biggest problem with his performance overall. Is I was honestly low key impressed with some of his action sequences, um, but uh, but yeah, the fact that he he just really warbled on the on the accent the entire movie was a disappointment. So we can talk about the action sequences in just a little bit, sure. Because I have, I think they're well choreographed. Yeah, 
And and there are aspects of this movie. I want to say that there are aspects of this movie that I enjoyed. Yeah, same. That I thoroughly liked. I I'm not. I didn't come out of this movie dreading it as much as I was going as I thought I was going to. Right. But it, it, I kind of had like a higher. I'm trying to think about how to say it. Like I'm still like right where I was expecting to be. Just a little bit higher. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say that, like, yeah, that was really frustrating to me. Like, we've been saying this for for a year and a half now at Victims and Villains is representation matters. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get a – I should never, as a viewer, be able to tell that an American is playing a Scottish – Yes. Like facts. A part of acting is the ability to fade into the character, to tr- completely yes. transform. That's Although, a- go ahead. In Hunt for the Red October, Sean Connery absolutely Scottish accent and all played a Russian. And I don't know. I love Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, there's there's going to be exceptions there's, to every rule. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but that rule does not it does not fade out here. Yeah. Right. Because sure. homeboy could just not keep it together. Right. And that's the thing is like if you're. If you're supposed to be playing a Scottish person and you can't do a Scottish accent and the best thing you can do is Irish, that sucks, but do it with commitment the whole time. And that was the problem is it was like there was just no commitment in to anything. It was just yeah. not American. Yeah, it's like to, to kind of pull from like another like franchise, like you go back and you watch the original um, X-Men trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the first one, Holly Berry's uh, Storm, has that accent. Yep. And by the time that it gets to the second film, it's gone. Yeah, true. And it's 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 really bothersome. And so I think that we've just kind of as this like audience like we've grown to kind of accept the fact that like you're just not going to have them and then you like actors can't typically do or keep that consistency. Mm-hmm. And then you get exceptions like Benedict Cumberbatch doing Dr. Stephen Strange. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Anyway. Hayden Christensen is not Benedict Cumberbatch. A lot of people are not. <laughs> so, there is is that. Yeah. And I I think for, for the most part, like, it felt like Nicolas Cage was trying to do that accent. But him not being in the film and... So there, like, there's two different phases of Nicolas Cage in this movie. You have the the pre ghost we'll call it ghosts. Sure. You have a pre ghost one where he's kind of fighting alongside of uh, Christensen's character. And like the beginning in the flashbacks. The beginning of the yeah, yeah. The beginning of the flashbacks, and it, it it's kind of like forgivable and kind of like overseeable because like they're also like trying to like. They're running and like they're in the midst of battle and trying to catch their breath. Yeah, yeah. So everything like that. They're so it's yelling half the time. Yelling, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you kind of like, okay, like I can kind of forgive it. And then when he we get reintroduced to him, he's a snake handler. Yeah. Which is oh, it's so great. rad. Great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll expand upon it in a little bit later, but then he is uh, he's kind of like 
basically a pirate at that point. Yeah, he feel he feels a lot like a pirate. Accent and all, uh, missing eyeball and all. Uh, but he commits to that. He really does. He he commits to it. Um, and his accent is not amazing. I've heard Nick Cage do better accents. Uh, probably most notably like um, Raising Arizona, actually. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, um, but he stuck like the accent that he did was really on par with the character that he portrayed. And the character he portrayed was a blast. Um, super fun. It was one of those things that was just like, you you didn't feel like you needed to take the character that seriously, but you also understood that he's been through a lot, and this is where he's ended up, and it makes sense. Yeah, so I think that with that said, I've kind of use this podcast as therapy to get all my feelings out about Hayden Christensen's acting in this movie. So if you'd like to, we can move on to another part of the film. Um, I think that we should. Um, <laughs> although, although, like I said, I was, um, I was fairly impressed at times with uh, his action sequences. Um, I feel like there are a lot of actors who, when you do action sequences, they do kind of like really jumpy, stunted uh, you know, cinematography so that you don't have to see how slow they're moving and 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 how they have to shoot the choreography, but like uh, he really all, all of his falls, he he seriously it seemed like he committed to. You could almost definitely tell that he did not have a stunt man. Um, I I was overall pretty impressed with at least that aspect. Yeah, that's probably the only redeemable thing about his performance in this movie. Yeah, is the stunt work that he does because. With that stunt work, you also get that cool camera choreography as well. Mm-hmm. This film is just really well choreographed when it comes to the, yes. the fight sequences. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the cinematography is really... It's simple but, but beautiful and well executed. A lot of the scenes are really immersive and really just look really good. Um, you can see they go kind of from the Middle East to... They're like, we're going to go east, okay? And so they, they, they're traveling toward Asia, and so you get... Um, just really a vast array of scenery that's really pretty and really well shot. And there's a couple really creative sequences. Probably the most notable, uh, Hayden Christensen's character, his name is Jacob, uh, dumps a bucket of water over his face um, to like clean himself. And you see you see him about to do it, and the camera pans to, like, it looks like the camera's from the inside the bucket of water. And it's a really cool freaking shot. Yeah, there's a couple cool shots that are really awesome like that um i think there's another there's another scene where they go down into water too uh, i think uh there's a scene in particular where Car- jacob it pulls a bow and arrow and hits the guy and the soldier goes down in the water and you actually kind of get immersed into the water for a very brief second yep. as well yeah uh the camera angles in this this are really really awesome yeah uh, from from like some parts, and then there are other parts that I just don't understand why. Yeah. Uh, so like there there's this there's two sequences in particular where Jacob and the prince and the princess that he's trying to get back to the kingdom. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about what this movie's about real quick. Yeah, I mean it's not super strict, but yeah. So. Like we said, Christensen plays Jacob, and he is basically trying to get a prince and a princess back to their kingdom. Well, okay. First of all, Jacob was a part of the uh, the Crusades, okay. as was uh, Nicolas Cage, who was like his mentor. Um, 
If you've ever seen Season of the Witch, we haven't done that yet on this podcast. We will, but it is another Nick Cage movie, and in that movie, Nick Cage is trying to basically like redeem himself from the the sins that he committed, slaughtering people throughout the Crusades. This movie is actually the same. It's just Hayden Christensen's character is doing that, and so he kind of takes this uh, banished um, young will-be king and his sister. Um, under his wing because he, in an attempt to like atone for his sins, is basically what it is. Yeah, yeah I think you were paying a little bit more attention than I was. <laughs> I was the one taking notes. <laughs> That's um, why I don't take notes because then I can't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a there's a sequence in particular where they get into very close into the kingdom. They partner up with like a a caravan a caravan mm-hmm. gets him in and she the princess or like is it was it a princess because they never i feel like they never the lady in the caravan yeah they never say it's just like okay. so like yeah. so, so someone like higher up yeah basically treats them to dinner and, and, a, and lodging lodging but the sequences that one in particular the camera just goes like right for no reason like did you catch that yeah yeah it's 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 very nauseating yeah it's weird and there's another sequence too where it's 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 kind of like it's a camera angle that you would expect on uh on a ship yeah but it's not not on dinner and they they do it again like later in the movie for a conversation between the would-be king's older brother Mm mm-hmm and his guardsmen like it's just very baffling some of the camera decisions that they make and from a excuse me a technical angle yeah it just doesn't make any sense yeah um yeah it's really interesting so like you go on basically what happens is uh this dying asian king uh makes his uh makes his younger son rather than his older son who would have the birthright to be king um, he gives him this seal that essentially grants him the ability to become king. Um, and uh, he sends him off, he and his sister. And and then his older brother, who's like a warrior, uh, comes in, has a conversation with his dad, the king, kills him, and then blames it on the little, the, 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 his little brother. Um, and so that's kind of the, basically, that's the entire plot of the movie, is that his little brother is now running from, uh, the what they call the black guards um, because they're out to find him because he, according to his older brother, um, killed their dad, killed the king. Um, and that's kind of where Hayden Christensen comes in and saves him. Yeah, so I guess now that we're like podcasting about it, we can we can kind of talk about it, is how did you kind of feel about the forced, at least I felt it was forced, but like the whole like love uh like relationship yeah like love interest of uh christensen and his the princess um i mean i it was unnecessary and the way the movie ends is in regards to that especially it's dumb (laughs) if i'm being just honest it's dumb um but at the same time like um I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like a lot of times in, in stories like this, you expect there to be a love interest. 
And I think if nothing else, they wanted it there because like it it rounds out aspects of a medieval story. Yeah, that's it's a trope. That's how I felt. Like <laughs> and it's a trope that I feel like this film could have done without. Yeah, especially since they they did nothing with it. A very no. little. No, like they, they share a kiss and there's a point in the, the movie where you had turned to me and you were like, Oh, it's about to come, you know, like they're yeah. getting ready to like get all hot and heavy and like embrace this trope and it's like, no, they have like the, nope. they share a couple words and a kiss and it's the next scene. Yep. Like this movie just does it feels like it just doesn't commit to anything. Yeah. Except for like I I can't even say like it I feel like Cage is really the only one that commits. Yeah, and honest. and honestly, like, it's so easy for him to commit to his character because he, his character dies way like uh, you know, like thirty minutes before the end, if that. Honestly, but no, it's um, like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, yeah, I, like you expect it to end in, oh yeah, the little prince becomes king and they get to where they need to get and blah blah blah, and all that's true, um, but. Other than that, even even the plot, there's not like a ton of strict commitment to what's happening. Um, like you never, they never explain like, all right, there's this black guard and they're chasing them. They never explain how they know where to go. Um, <laughs> That's something I didn't even pick they, up. They on. never totally explain right. that. I mean, I guess they. I guess it makes sense because they they have to take that seal to a certain city. Yeah. So that makes sense. But other than that, it's like. Hayden Christensen's character is even like, let's go through the woods. We need to get off the map. And it's like, yo, that's a good call. That makes sense. And it doesn't work at all. No. And that, and, and that's never explained. That's just, it's just a complete plot hole. And um, he is basically saved on the other side of this river um, by Nick Cage's character. And he basically tells the kids where they can find, I guess, help. I don't know. They tell him to go to like some hills. And so Nicolas Cage's character, like, finds him, uh, saves him, and is kind of reluctant about it. But, um, yeah, and then and then all of a sudden, all these black guards come to the cave. And it's like, I guess they knew that they crossed the river, but then how do they know they, to go to this cave? It just doesn't make sense. Two words for you. Okay. Plot, convenience. Yes, but like there is a definitely a difference between well written plot convenience and not and poorly written plot convenience. And this was not well written. I I honestly think that they were so this this story feels really formulaic. Yeah, like the first like hour of this movie where it's it's just Christensen. Yeah, and these kids like it feels just like it was lifted. It was a it was a story lifted from like. A storybook that we've heard a thousand times yes, before. Yes, it does. That actually, you know, I know that you do, you're not much for like fantasy and medieval stuff, and I do like fantasy and medieval stuff. But I have to say, if there's anything wrong with that genre, it's what you just said. It's that like repetitive. so many of these stories are repetitive. They're told the same way over and over again. They have built-in tropes, and um, even when they're well written, as long as you've read Lord of the Rings, you're good. You don't need to read the rest, you know? Yeah, and I, I feel like it, it just feels so generic to that point. And once Jacob gets saved from Cage, that's kind of when I feel like the story kind of breaks ground. And yeah. it doesn't feel so formulaic because Cage is 
almost kind of like the equivalent of like a jester character. He's just very much like out there, but he's also this like monk character that just wants to be at peace yep. with his demons, his wine, and his wife. Yep. Like that's all he wants. Yeah, he really just wants and he's there's like a legend built around him and you can tell that he likes it that way. Yeah. Because it means he can do whatever he want to wants to and people are scared of him. You know, and he's got this wife and she got her tongue cut out and it's all just like, What? This is wild. But it's I mean, it's some really interesting writing, and it's it's really fun. Um, As we mentioned, he doesn't have an eye. He doesn't have an eye. And he's a snake handler. Yeah, which is only for one scene and explains nothing and is explained by nothing. We, do, we did not need snakes. any explanation for that. That The scene where he's talking to the kids, and they make him that deal, and he just brings the snake up to his chin. It's like he's like pondering it. I was yeah. like, this is the best scene in the whole movie. It's, it's incredible, but it's like... Oh, okay. <laughs> um, See what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think Cage brings up some some really interesting uh, points about mental health. Is you can kind of see how, and this is kind of also our our introduction to Jacob in present day, where the the majority of this film takes place. Yeah, is both of them have gone on to the events of the prologue and now have silenced their ghosts or have kind of come to terms with their own demons. Yeah. So to say, you know, Jacob goes the route of opioids and, Oh, that's true. You know, that was the one thing I actually, that was another thing I had something positive to say about is like, it's not common that you see drugs in this kind of story. You might see some drunkenness, but the fact that they made drugs such a part of it was really unique. Yeah, and they they use that that I feel like is really well executed. Yeah. And also Nicolas Cage, you know, has this drinking problem because they're essentially trying to cope with the mistakes that they've made and the past that they've made. Yeah. And there are scenes that I think this film does really well about whenever Jacob does sober up, like he has those flashbacks. Yep. Back to kind of the monastery where we ultimately kind of see these like child and and women sacrifices that they walk into slash also did. I don't know. No. So what happens is like, um, they were, they were crusades. So they were attacking somewhere in the middle East and there was this room full of women and children and cage's character finds this kid that he mentored, which is Jacob Hayden Christian's character, uh, amongst them and it's like he thinks that because of what he sees that uh jacob the jacob character has slaughtered these women and children um just the younglings all over again um but uh actually what happened and they never talked about it because he just abandons him but they they talk about it later on in the movie in the cave uh is what happens is um the women kill the children and, right. then, and then kill themselves um and so uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's one of those things where it's like the Jacob character is like grief stricken because of this moment, but also like burdened with his sins from just slaughtering people in the Crusades. And then his mentor, um, Cage's character, is just you never really get his name. It's like they say it a couple times, and I don't know what it is. It starts with a G. It does, and I don't know what it is. Um, but he like is disappointed in this kid 
and just like abandons him because he feels like he's like just this murderous lost cause. Which I feel like their their relationship is really interesting to kind of unpack and deconstruct because because yeah. because it, it's mirrored yeah with the prince yeah absolutely and I think that also that uh, when we're talking about you know going back to kind of finding healthy ways to cope uh, with you know past regrets and, and past mistakes because um, you know I think that anyone listening to this right now and i think even both of us like we have done stuff in our life that we're not proud of absolutely and we've also had to go through a period where there has been regret that has sunk in and there has been forgiveness that was a necessary conversation to have in order to either salvage a relationship or to to grow past it right and and make that foundation stronger it's really interesting to kind of see how misplaced both of them are and kind of once they're able to confront one another again how that is reconciled yeah ultimately by just the act of conversation yeah they just talk it out and and they just which they never did you know they they parted ways and they kind of knew where the other one was going kind of and and that was it because you know one was basically just abandoned by the other because of this giant misunderstanding and that's all it took was was a conversation you know and then um also i think there's a lot to be said too of like of the prince character because well not necessarily his character himself although he is a great character um but how you know cage's character and and jacob christian's character um how they like they just stand up for this kid and they just put their lives in a position where they are defending this prince um, because really, um, they don't have a lot left to live for, and they're still trying to atone for for their own mistakes. Um, and you know, Christensen, I will say, poorly delivered or not, Christensen has some decent lines, and like one of them is like uh, the the the, uh, the older brother, the prince's older brother, finally shows up with his army, um, and. Uh, and Christensen's like he looks at him. He's like the world doesn't need men like us, and and the whole point his whole point of protecting this boy is because the boy is is a peacemaker. You know he doesn't want war and bloodshed. He wants to govern well. You know and and there's just uh, yeah there's this really sense a great sense of like I'm atoning for my mistakes. I know what my mistakes are, and my mistakes are, you know being this person that I've always been and I'm going to use like my very life to stop the people that have been just like me because the world doesn't need this. If you or someone you know is listening to this podcast right now and you're struggling with suicide, addiction, self-harm, or depression, we encourage you guys to please reach out. This is the heartbeat of why we do what we do. Suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, and as of this recording, there are 132 suicides that take place each and every day on American soil. And when you scale back internationally, there are 800,000 successful suicides. That is one death roughly every 40 seconds. So if you or someone you know is struggling, you guys can go to victimsandvillains.net forward slash hope. That resource is going to be right in the description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this. There you'll find resources that include the National Suicide 
Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text HELP to 741-741. We also have a plethora of other resources, including churches, getting connected with counselors, LGBT resources like the Trevor Project, and also Veteran Hotline as well. Please, if you hear nothing else in the show, understand that you, yes, you listening to this right now, have value and worth. We get it. Suicide, depression, mental health, these are hard topics, and the stigma around them doesn't make it any easier. But please, consider the resources right in the descriptions below, wherever you guys are listening, because... Once again, you have value and you have worth, so please stay with us. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and to you know, to kind of bring in something that we'll bring in on occasion, it, you know, the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we also see that it with uh, is it is it Prince David or Prince David? Solomon? That King Solomon. King Solomon, one of the two kings, I can't remember which one. It's been a long day. Sure. Um, but, you know, God basically comes to him and he's like, hey, like, uh, I'll give me anything you want. Solomon. Solomon, yeah. Yeah, Solomon's like, yeah, God's like, I'll give you anything you want. And Solomon, what Solomon asks for is wisdom. Mm-hmm. And God respects him so much for not asking for, you know, money, money or power yeah. or a kingdom that he gives those to him anyway. Yeah. Along with wisdom, and it, it takes it. And look, it from two guys. I think it takes a lot of. It takes a lot to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to to say that you need help. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the things that is interesting about the the Christensen's character arc mm-hmm. throughout the role is not only is he looking for that atonement, yeah, but he's kind of made peace with the fact that you know, like you to your point earlier that the world isn't looking for men like him. The world is necessarily looking for people that are going to truly change yeah. and, and be bold enough to kind of have those conversations and yeah. uh, 
make changes necessary to bring it forth it. Right, right. And defend, you know, he yeah. just sees such like a this value in defending the people who are willing to to make the right choices, the better choices, to not be the man that he's been. You know, because the Crusades were a horrible, terrible mistake mm-hmm. in the name of God. Yeah. You know, and I and I honestly, like, am kind of thankful for stories like this one that, like, really identify them as that, because that's what they were, you know. Yeah, I think that the opening prologue to this, I think uh, some of Cage's lines really yes. convey that yeah. point. And it's really well delivered. Um, it's a kind of pull from in like another like notable franchise, uh, the first Thor movie. Okay, I think does a really good job at kind of also conveying that where Thor is just kind of this like very young and very naive, you know, prince, prince. Yeah. that really wants to make his father proud, and so he thinks that the only way to make his father proud is bloodshed and to kind of have. Uh, all the nine realms kind of basically at your beckon and afraid of you, truly terrified. Yeah. And Odin basically has to come to him and says, you know, uh, a true king knows when to govern and when to create bloodshed, basically. Yeah, yeah. And even, uh, it's funny you brought that up because I thought of like, was it a first Avengers movie where like Loki's in Germany and makes all those people kneel? And he's like, isn't this better? Isn't this what you want? Isn't this more your natural state to bow in submission to serve a king, a ruler? And there's this one guy who stands up and he goes, not to men like you. And it's just like, ooh, like, still gets me. Because it's just, yeah, yeah, it's it's so important that, like, if you're going to be in a position where you are um, a king or some sort of authority, uh, especially if you're taking that upon yourself, um, then, like, that has to come with wisdom. That has to come with uh, temperance. You have to know that, like, man, I, I can't just, uh, I can't just dominate people. I can't it's, because then it does become bloodshed. I well, I think even to kind of westernize that concept because so much of our audience is in the U.S. Yeah. So I want to just kind of look at it through, like, what makes a good leader? A, yeah. a good leader, you know, can be anyone from. Uh, managing the McDonald's or Target down the street to someone that is, you know, overseeing a, you know, BMW. Yeah, a Fortune Uh, 500 company. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that, you know, really what makes a true leader is someone that is able to identify when it's right to basically, like, be a dick yeah, reprimand. Reprimand, yeah. yeah. And also at the same time to, you know, be humble enough to, you know, admit your own weaknesses and be vulnerable enough to, to kind of, you know, hang out with your people. Yeah. And be humble, yeah. I think, is, is truly what, it you know, good leadership comes from and discernment and, and wisdom as well. Yeah, I think, honestly, like, the... One of the honestly, one of the best characters is the the king in the beginning who just dies, and you don't get a lot of lines out of him. But um, but uh, you know, you can really see that there a lot of the reason that he wants to make, uh, or you can kind of guess, you know, conjecture uh, that a lot of the reason he makes wants to make his his youngest son king is because his youngest son um, doesn't think that he should be. 
Because it's one of those things where it's like the fact that you don't think you should be king is what makes you ready to be king. Because you're not, you're not after power. You're not after fame or attention or authority. You know what you want is, um, you know what what you want is good. You know, good as a concept. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I think to like the people that you feel like sometimes like like don't want to be leaders mm-hmm. are probably the people that need to be leaders most exactly because like exactly. they've gone through bad they've experienced bad leadership and yep. they've kind of experienced the brokenness that comes with that and the fallout of it as well yeah and i think you know sometimes for even my own life like the times that i've kind of been in positions of authority or management at, at jobs that i've held over the years that I didn't necessarily want, but I knew necessarily that I also didn't want someone else to step into that role right. and kind of mess it up. Yeah. So it's like, all right, like you I knew that you were responsible. Yeah. Enough. Like yeah. I know that I'm responsible, and like mm-hmm. I know, and I and there's someone that is promoting me is seeing that same value uh, that I don't typically see myself in in enough to like say we want to place you here in this office. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like, just in in talking about leadership itself, it's important to note too that like, a lot of times leadership is just influence. It's not position. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I've been offered a promotion a couple times at my job, and and I honestly refuse to take it um, for a couple reasons. But a lot of a lot of what I've been like really thinking about recently is the fact that like, a lot of the kids that I work with, they come to me for. Michael, what do you need me to do? What should I do? What do we do? And it's like, look, I I don't need a pay raise or a different shirt color or anything like that to know that like I have influence and I can make a difference and I can make an impact positively. Um, and and sometimes, in at least in my opinion, being placed in a former formal uh, position of leadership uh, means that you kind of lose that. Because people now see you as like, oh, he's the manager, he's the leader, he's supposed to be this way, et cetera, et cetera, instead of like respecting you for like just your knowledge and your skill level and your willingness to just keep your head down and be diligent. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And I think too you get those – you get a lot more of those like conversations that are like more meaningful. Yeah. Too because like someone's like not being like, Oh, I can't talk to this person. They're not going to right front man. Like, and I've had several people that are terrified to come to me and I'm just like, I don't try to be like a, a, a you know, a harsh guy when it yeah. comes to, to management. But like at the end of the day, like I'm getting paid to do a job. So like, sure. I have to do a job because it's providing for my family. But like there are even times where like in doing victims like that, I feel like some people like just look for me as like kind of like, or are afraid to kind of like be vulnerable. Mm. And sometimes at least it feels that way. But um, if I misinterpreted this and you're listening to this, (laughs) please just hit me up. Um, (laughs) But I think at the end of the day, like, I, I think a good leader is someone that, that cares about the people that are coming alongside of them yeah. to make the vision count. Right. And I think that, you know, we might not have 
10,000 listeners every week and we might not ever hit uh, a million subscribers or whatever, but I want to use the, you, you mentioned influence. Like I want to use the influence that we have, whether it's talking about Nicolas Cage movies or, or horror movies or anime or, or video games or whatever to, to make a difference and just remind someone that they have value and that they have worth. Yeah. And they have potential. Yeah. You know, and, and like you might not think of like whether it's in a job situation or a family situation or whatever, like you might think that you have things that you need to atone for, things that are that that disqualify you from something. But like you're not the one who decides that's that, you know, you, you don't decide for someone else that you matter to them or that they look up to you or anything like that. You know, like if you're if you're around other people, then you are an influence and um, that may sound daunting, but that gives you value. That makes you important, you know? And uh, I think something that I've really learned is to be intentional about that, not to lord it over anybody, but to just be like, oh man, like I'm in this position because I'm just surrounded by people that I can influence them. So how am I influencing them, um, you know, positively? And how do I want them to see me and and, and my position? Also, to that point, I feel like anyone that, you know, whether he, you could even be like a, a a brother or a sister or right. like some cousin, like, but like there's, there's always going to be someone younger than you watching what you're doing right? and learning from that experience as well. Like yeah. I, being an adult, like you never realize how much the environments that you're around really shape the ideas and mental health habits and it's really how you see yourself until you kind of escape from that. And I think that, you know, uh, there were some really positive traits that I took from growing up where I did. And there were also some negative things that like, I really had to kind of for, you know, face my own ghosts and kind of confront them head on with, you know, how do I grow and be a better person from this? Right. So, Let's talk about the fight choreography. We already did that. Uh, you want to talk about it? Okay. What well, you want to talk about then? Oh, <laughs> well, I guess we should talk about the ending because it sucked. <sighs> yeah. I feel like they tried really hard to have like some imagery, but it sucked. <laughs> yeah. This, this movie was was really terrible. Like, <laughs> Okay. It was better than we thought it was going to be. It was better than be. we thought. But and Nick's Cage character was worth it and a lot of fun. Nick, Yes. But Nicolas Cage's character is in this movie for like... Like 20 minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably 40, yeah. And then you spend a, you spend five minutes in the credits, and that's 55 minutes that you're spending with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, and these two Asian kids. And, like, for me, like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, it has some cool moments. Yeah. But the ending in particular yes. is... It's dissatisfying. It's very dissatisfying. It's very dissatisfying because you kind of just see like the boy goes to where he needs to go. And so up before that, there's a couple minutes before that where like you see them by these graves and it's like the two kids and Hayden Christensen character and and they're by these graves. And uh, he carries the same sword around him through through the whole movie. They really make a big deal about this sword. There's a couple of cool like 
you know, things they do with the, the choreography and the cinematography around this sword. So you really notice it. But they never explain and it. They never explain that, <laughs> first of all. The sword seems to have, like, no value. He just, like, his first fight scene hey, after... sentimental is value to some I people. mean, I guess, but it's not like... They never give it a sentimental value either. It just is his sword. So anyway, um, so you see them standing by these graves and there are these like piles of rock and you can tell they're graves and there's like swords placed at the end of each grave. And the last one, it's his sword. But he's not dead. And so there's this theme of like uh, the white ghost, I believe it is, uh, that they call, that, that that's like the legend of Nick Cage's character after the Crusades is he's known as the white ghost and he's this criminal and etc. And, uh, and so you get kind of the vibe that, like, what what J- the Jacob character is trying to do is, like, um, what he's trying to do is basically um, just end, end his life as he's known it and walk away from it. And that is a pretty decent sentiment. And, and it's some pretty decent imagery. But then what happens is that the kids go toward, like, this army, and they bow, and, you know, the kid... You you assume the kid is just king at that point. They never show any coronation or anything like that at all. Mm-hmm. And then the Jacob character uh, walks away. And that's it. There's no culmination of, this, of the, the romance thing that they've been playing with. Uh, yeah, plot plots are just like plot nothing. lines are just like picked up and dropped. They're just dropped. Yeah. How would you guys like to help us get mental health resources into schools, conventions, and other events? Well, now you can simply go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains for as little as one dollar a month. You guys can help us get mental health resources into current and upcoming generations educate and break down stigma surrounding mental health suicide and depression and you get exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else and you guys can tell us which Nicolas Cage movie you want us to cover and we'll do it all it takes to get started is to go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains or simply click the link in the episode description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this episode. Pick your tier and get started today. Yes, it's that simple. So quickly select the tier that you want and help us get hope into the hands of the depressed and the suicidal today. Uh, I think would have honestly would have made the ending better had they kind of taken like the Logan approach to where you just had kind of like, like Jacob did die. Yeah. And like these two kids are like stricken yeah. with that death. Yeah. Like it would have made the movie so much more impactful. Yeah. Instead of like, oh no, he fakes his death to kind of start a new life. And I'm like. Uh, but even but, but that's why? that's kind of my thing like faking his death or whatever is fine that doesn't bother me because it, there's there's some like symbolism to it but if you're going to start a new life why walk away from the kids that have kind of helped you find that that's dumb that's a valid point but also i don't think that you needed that three days later thing oh that either that was dumb like you could have literally just had the ending uh 
right at the the feet of the the black the black uh, what are they called black guards? Yeah. They yeah, you could have just after like he dies, like you could have just had it right there. Yep. Totally. Like, yeah. There's, there's no reason to be like, oh yeah. Three days later. Like yeah. no, that's that's so dumb. Unless they're really trying to like drive home some of the more like, um, I, I guess like I think god aspects. I think you're just reaching now. I I think so too. But there's like well, there is one scene where the Jacob character is praying, and and there you know there is the whole like well they're a part of like we do this for God like that that's at the beginning of the movie that's really heavy in the narrative, um you know as are a lot of crusade movies that's a big thing. Um, but yeah, it even, I'm probably reaching. And if that's what they were doing, they were probably reaching. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Also the, the thing that I want to say particularly about this movie is that I feel like it tries really hard to be this kind of like really, the cinematography in this really rich, like whoever they got to, to, to do like the cinematography in it just did a really great job. Even the locations, count. Um, yes, the locations yeah. are are gorgeous. Like this is a pretty gnarly looking movie. Yeah, it's gorgeous. But I feel like they really tried to bring that kind of artistic approach into the narrative, and it just didn't quite work because yeah. you had st- like plot holes. You had like. Uh, character decisions and character motivations that just seem to drop at a whim. Yeah. And like my, my thing that I, I wrote in my notes was the, the fact that it seems like Hayden Christensen's superpower in this is the ability to go from effed up to sober in less than three seconds. Yes. And it's just, this, this, it's just a mess, honestly. And I feel like the, the, the thing that really capitalizes on that mess is the way this film ends. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. I think that like, you're right. As far as like the movie is artistic in, in its cinematography and they probably try to wrap that into, um, into some of the dialogue and the, some of the plot. Have you ever seen, uh, I don't know how much of like a martial arts guy you are, but, um, like earlier two thousands movies, like hero hero is the one that comes to mind. Um, Crouching Tiger is probably the biggest one. Um, a lot of like early two thousands Jet Li kind of things. I've have you seen any of those? Seen Hero, I think, okay. but I haven't seen Crouching Tiger. Sure, um, Heroes. Heroes is the one main one I was thinking of. A lot of those movies are very like they're beautiful. Their color palettes are beautiful. They're shot beautifully, um, and they're not movies with a ton of dialogue. And so it's very much this you get this idea that like this is supposed to be kind of an art piece with a lot of violence in it. Um, and, uh, and they're really well done and, and, and really, and they feel, they do not feel American. They don't. Um, and, uh, and just the way they tell a story is really kind of amazing. And I feel like this movie was, you know, maybe a poor attempt at that of just trying to allow, uh, certain, loose ideas of symbolism to convey points that were just not there. That symbolism could have been so much more effective had some of the other plot points that just didn't necessarily need to be there been tightened up. Yeah. Like you didn't need some of the tropes. You didn't need, uh, right. The love story. Yeah. You you didn't need like some of the, 
some of the stuff that you know you have with bring Nicolas Cage in a little bit earlier, like right, yeah, like you know, just kind of like try to balance your stories and your characters a little bit more. Um, like to me, like I I applaud and I really appreciate the whole like drug use in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it brings and makes this character really three dimensional. Yep, but at the same time, I feel like that was kind of like overexplored, where. I would have preferred that to kind of been like they could have tightened it a little bit. Yeah, you felt like they fall, uh, fall they fall back on it later on when yes. they don't need to. Yes. Yeah, and it's just like, and it's really dumb things too that they they like reasons why they fall back on it. Yeah. Um, but they they do. So, I think that's gonna bring it to a close. Sure. Is Outcast worthy of high praise? Uh, it's just not. Um. If you watch this movie, don't do that. Go on YouTube <laughs> and like just go watch Nicolas Cage's parts because they're hilarious and wonderful and his character is just really, really fun um, and it's it's a blast. Uh, but but as a film, n- no. It is some good things and I, I always try to like be positive in general, you know, when, when things really do kind of look down. But... Uh, no, it it's not. It does not deserve high praise. Boy, I'm so glad we are on the same page. Yeah, uh, I kind of had a feeling this was going to be not worthy of high praise. Yeah, worthy of low praise. I, I, I won't say it's worthy of low praise. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like like kind of like between like low and like low medium. Yeah, there you go. Uh, because like there are there are a lot of cool things that that this film does do. Mm-hmm. But they're just not enough to last. Like to you, to your point about like Nicolas Cage and like the YouTube, like there's there's probably like a ten minute YouTube, uh, like clip show that you could create that would make this movie so much better. Yeah, yeah, just just the Nicolas Cage's stuff. Yeah, I would say some of the some of the camera angles are, are cool. That's like the, true. The water. That's true. Water shots in particular are really great. Um, I kind I'm curious as to. Not curious enough to watch it, but I'm curious about the trailer and how they like edited that together and how they tried to sell this movie because they had a lot to work with, but then that's the downfall of trailers is that if you put too much into it, then you build up something that's not there. All right. So should we do a trailer reaction after this? I don't want (laughs) to. Fair enough. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. We're going to be back uh, in just a couple days talking about Teen Titans go to the movies. That's right. Uh, This is going to actually be a live show for you guys. Yep. So pretty excited about that. Yep. Um, But until then, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me um, on... Instagram at mullet stash, uh, also at VH Zest. Still need to do more with that account. I'm sorry. Um, and you can, uh, yeah, uh, Josh is going to bring up his fake social media. It's not fake. So uh, you can find me on uh, Discogs. Uh, my handle there is just Damian Wayne. Uh, and there's this brand new social media that is. Uh, it's literally like launched this week. It's called Pivot, P-Y-V-O-T-T. And um, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but uh, I have one of those for some reason. So that's at Mullet Stash. Um, I guess you could like add me on Snapchat. That's so, at Mullet Dot Stash. So let me get this straight. <laughs> so your wife is one of the biggest uh, uh, 
friends, fans that I know. My wife? Your wife. Okay. And you joined a social media site called Pivot. Yeah. And did not make a friends reference. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. You guys can find me on uh, Instagram. I am at Captain Nostalgia as well as Letterbox at Captain Nostalgia. And you guys can find me on Snapchat at Gent uh, Ghostface. And uh, you guys can follow our parent company, Victims and Villains, at Victims and Villains on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Or go to victimsandvillains.net where you guys can find all of those social media links. Uh, find out how to support us on Patreon. And uh, also go to get more, more podcasts like this one. And you guys can also find movie reviews and, most importantly, our mental health resource. So, library, until next time, remember to keep on caging.